You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. Oh, Holy Night. This is hands down my favorite Christmas song. And what it does is it always brings me back to this little church I grew up in in Rapid City, South Dakota. First Christian church. It's this little church filled with wonderful people that honestly shaped me into who I am today. But Oh, Holy Night, that song was actually the last song I remember singing publicly until I was 25 years old and and living in Chicago. But I can literally still remember me singing that song to this day. I know where I was at on stage. I was stage left. I could see my mom smiling out in the audience. I saw both my brothers asleep because they're jerks. Like, I can remember that, right? I can remember how the light would hit those old pews in the auditorium. Remember pews? Anybody remember some pews, right? Right? And then they were uncomfortable at first, and then they put the cushion on it, and then you'd fall asleep, and your mom would hit. Anyway, that was a personal story. So, right? But I remember all of that stuff when I'm singing this song, this Oh Holy Night song. But it's kind of crazy to think that I can still remember that all those years later. And the reason I could do that is because of something interesting called musical nostalgia. It's this idea that a song can activate our brain and the neurochemicals that are inside our system and create to create a response. That those neurochemicals are what bring us back to bring us back the emotions and the memories that come up when you hear that song played. So we've been looking at a series that's called the Christmas Playlist, where we're looking at all those famous Christmas carols that we sing every year. But to have some fun with it, we're trying to, to try to see if it brings up some emotions about the Christmas story. But in order for you to know the songs that we've already kind of gone through, I thought it'd be kind of fun to look at them and see if you could guess the titles just off of emojis, okay? Just off of emojis, okay? So let's take a look at this first one. Throw that up there for me. See if you can guess what that is, okay? Right? So she's running, but she's running away. So it's a, a way in a... Away to manger, yeah, excellent, well done, okay. It's a stretch, but we're getting there, okay. How about this next one right here, next one right here, okay. It's, it's, what's this, little town of, get it, Bethlehem, okay, that's, that's Bethlehem, that's pretty funny. And the last one, how about this one, okay. First, nice, first Noel, well done. I know somebody in Wisconsin already got it, but whatever, right, first Noel, great job. And and when you hear those songs, even saying out loud, there's probably a memory that comes up when you think about them. But this series is not about this like walk down memory lane, but it's actually looking at how these songs have had such a great connection to the Christmas story because nearly all of them were pulled directly out of the Bible, out of Scripture. But Oh Holy Night is such a powerful song and it has a very powerful message to it. Let me give you a, a bit of a backstory about O Holy Night. Uh, 1847, a young French clergyman, his name was Eugene Nicholas, he wanted a poem to be written for the Christmas Eve service that night. But he chose a very interesting person, I should say that night, that, that year. He chose a very interesting person in order to, to write it. And his name was Placidine Capet de Roquemore, right? 
And he was the commissioner of wines in a very small French town. Now, you should know something about Placidy. He was known more for his knowledge and consumption of wine than his church attendance, if you know what I mean, right? Like, that's what he was known for. So he being chosen to write this poem was, a, was interesting. And, but I'll tell you what, he was an unusual choice, but the second that that priest told him to write it, he took it on with a great amount of pride, knowing that it needed to connect very deeply with the Christmas story itself. So he grounded himself in the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote a piece so inspiring that even he knew that it needed to be more than a poem and so this poem grew into a song that he entitled Cantique de Noel. But we know the song is not really a song without music to it. You gotta have a little melody, a little hook to it. So Placidy made another unusual move when it came to this, with this piece. He approached a man by the name of Adolf Charles Adams for help. Now, I'm sure that most of us in this room and joining us right now are well-versed in 19th century music. I understand that. But the few of us that might have fell asleep in high school when we were talking about it, let me fill you in on what happened, okay? Adolph Charles Adam was a very well-known classical musician, and he, but he was also a devout Jew. So the fact that he was tasked with writing music to a song that talked all about Jesus was fascinating. However, Adolf created a song that would totally change music forever. Cantique de Noel was a hit at that Christmas mass that was written for, and it was quickly accepted in, universally in the Church of France. But here's where things get a little sticky when it comes to this song. And, and maybe for you at some point, this might be something of your story, maybe some church hurts in your past. But when Placidy started to question some of the teachings of the Catholic faith, he decided he wanted to know more about grace and wanted to read the Bible, and he had some questions. All of a sudden, he stepped away from the Catholic faith, the Catholic Church. And when he stepped away, the Catholic Church said, oh, well, that song's got to go, and they removed the song because of Placidy and Adolf. The church couldn't get past the fact of now a non-Catholic writer and a Jewish composer being part of their services any longer, no matter how good the song was. But regardless of the mess that religion tried to make of the song, it became a very important song in France and England and in America. So much so, here's an interesting fact, that there's a story that was told back in December of 1871 during the Franco-Prussian War. On Christmas Eve, one of the French soldiers stood up on the battle lines and he started to sing, O Holy, Lie, Holy Night, literally in the middle of the battle. But instead of gunfire raining down on him, both sides stopped completely. They both stood up and they sang O Holy Night together. The song became a catalyst for a 24-hour ceasefire in the Franco-Prussian War. And did you also know that O Holy Night was the very first song ever played on the radio in the United States in 1906? So, so O Holy Night has been proclaiming the good news of Jesus for hundreds of years not just because of the music within it, but because of the story it tells. The story of the night of our sweet Savior's birth. But what does holy mean? I mean, we use the word holy pretty loosely nowadays. Don't we, like, we say things like, holy cow, right? The, the Raiders won a game. Like, you know, like, holy cow. Like, like holy Toledo, holy Tamoli. Now, my favorite one is holy, not that one, okay, just not that at all, right? No, it's holy guacamole, right? You love that, right? Holy guacamole. But holy is more than just an adjective to describe your favorite chip dip. It is more than that. No, the word holy means to be set apart, means different, means perfect, 
It's how the Bible would describe God himself. And it's actually what God has told us that all of us who believe in Jesus should aspire to be. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Be holy because I am holy. So holy, set apart, it means something that is different. Not, not because it's strange different, but it means that because God is in the middle of it, it's different. But what I think is interesting is that it's called O Holy Night. I, I mean, if you really think about it, night is not usually where holy things happen. Am I right? Like, when are most crimes committed? At night, right? When are all scary movies set in? At night, right? When are you the most uneasy walking around your own house? At night. When are most Raider games played? Okay. Doesn't matter. They're always scary, right? Just doesn't matter. Anytime, right? So, so, so see what I mean? It doesn't make sense for us to connect holy with night at all. Because you would think that things are, are more holy and they're better in the what? In the daytime. After all, things are better in the daytime. Your outlook is better. Things are less scary. You can see what's in front of you better. You generally make better decisions during the day. Yet we just heard a bit of a song that was about a holy night. So, so what gives? Well, what I noticed as I read through the Christmas story is how many times God did things at night, when he did things that were set apart, that were different, that were holy in that moment. In fact, you could actually say that Christmas was a bunch of oh holy nights. Let, let me explain to you what I mean. See, after Mary was told that she was carrying the Son of God, Joseph, her soon-to-be husband, uh, who she planned to be married, he became scared that he was going to be the father of a child who wasn't his, and so he was going to divorce Mary quietly, the Bible tells us. But I want you to look at what it says in Matthew chapter 1. It says, but after he had considered this, the whole divorcing Mary thing, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and they are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So an angel comes to Joseph when? At night, in a dream. So unless he's sleeping on the job, which I don't think is what, it was at night. The angel tells Joseph, listen, stay with Mary, take care of Jesus as your own. This too was a holy night where God encouraged a, a, a scared Joseph to trust God's plan in spite of his, the personal cost that it would have on his life. That on that holy night, God encouraged this scared young father the best way he could in a holy night. But now, now check this out. So after Jesus was born, we read about this group of people that had no business being in the Christmas story. None whatsoever. See, they were called shepherds. And shepherds were these scruffy people whose job was to take care of smelly sheep for months on end, night in and night out. Let's just say that that wasn't a job that got a lot of hits on ZipRecruiter, if you know what I mean, okay? It just wasn't a thing. This was bottom-of-the-barrel work for bottom-of-the-barrel people. But yet, look what happens in Luke chapter 2. Okay, look with me in verse 8. In verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. So these outcasts of society were chosen by God under a starry night to be part of the starring cast of the story of Jesus Christ. And when did this movement from forgotten to found happen? It happened at night. A chorus of angels meets them in the meadow and an ordinary night turns holy in just the blink of God's eye. People that most people didn't care about were all of a sudden seen by God himself and told to go see the Savior of the world for themselves. All because of that special holy night. Then some 13 to 24 months later, yet another moment occurred that should jog our memory a little bit. It's the wise men, the magi, the we three kings of Orient are, as the song says. It was these men that were traveling from the east some 400 miles, taking them two to three weeks in order to do it, all because of a star that was seen that wasn't on their astrological maps. You see, they were experts at the stars. They knew everything about them like the back of their hand. But all of a sudden, as they were looking at the star, uh, the sky, a star popped up out of their awareness, and apparently a message came with it that said, go see this new king that's found underneath the stars. Look at verse 10 of Matthew chapter 2. There we get to read, it says, when they, that's the Magi, saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But how would these men be able to see that star that shone so brightly all those miles away? Because it was at night. And, and why would they come to visit this young king that was unknown to them? Because it was a holy moment, set apart different from all the rest. It was because God was calling all people to him. The young, the old, the poor, the rich, the well-known, the unknown. God wants everyone to see what is underneath that star. But God was even working these, after these wise men were done seeing Jesus and giving him all the gifts after that. So look at verse 12 right after that. It says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. There it is again. God uses a dream. He uses a night to warn these men to keep from harm by going back the way that they came so King Herod would not kill them. Yet another holy night. So it was not just one holy night, but it was many holy nights. Nights that were unlike any other night. And nights that were shattered by God's holiness, shining into the lives of the people that he was interacting with. Yet all of them point to the most important holy night of them all. The night of our dear Savior's birth. Luke chapter 2, start of verse 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, there came time for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The night when Jesus was born seemed like any other night. Granted, Bethlehem was a little bit more busy with all these different people coming because of the census decree, but it was a quiet, still night, the night that Jesus was born. The night was chilled 
the stars were brightly shining and the world was, sti- was, still, was still as glass as all the people in Bethlehem were sleeping in their beds. A privilege that was not afforded to Mary and Joseph. But to the average observer, it seemed like any other night that would have transpired. But this night was different. This night indeed was going to be holy. Even though the world rested as usual, the night Jesus was born was a night that was set apart from all the rest. And sure, the story of a young pregnant girl and her husband expecting a child is fairly common. But did you know it's actually very rare to be born on Christmas? And I know Jesus wasn't born on Christmas Day, by the way, okay, just for the record, okay? But Christmas Day, like 366, it's the lowest one. 6,500 people a year are born on Christmas Day. So if you're born on Christmas Day, you're extra special. But you already know that. You tell everybody. I get it, right? It's okay. But still, people have babies all the time. And back then, lots of people traveled to Bethlehem. This census thing, no big deal. But what made it holy was when God said it was time to send his son into the world to save it from there, from itself. Paul describes this so well. Galatians chapter 4, he would say it this way. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption into sonship. Jesus came at just the right time to save the world from their sin and error pining. And in the manger lay the thrill of hope that the world would usher in into a new and glorious morning. Jesus was what made that night holy. But this night was not reserved just for a young teenage girl and her husband Joseph. This night would bring light to the entire world and the Savior that was meant for the rich and for the poor, for the known and the unknown, for the educated and the uneducated. Guys, it was Jesus, the culmination of hundreds of years of prophecy that came to be. It was in Jesus a solution to the curse of sin that started in the Garden of Eden had finally arrived. It was Jesus sleeping, uh, uh, it was Jesus coming to a sleeping world that awakened it to a new type of religion based on a relationship with God and not rules to keep him happy. It was Jesus who would be, who would have this perfect life that God had designed us all to live. He would demonstrate it for us all through his life, but that we ultimately, us as sinners, always fall short of. Because only in Jesus would the common and the royal bow down. Only in Jesus would all nature sing of his arrival. Only in Jesus would all oppression cease and the slave be free. Only in Jesus would chains of the bro- be broken and the captives set free. Only in the matchless name of Jesus would this night be holy. And because of Jesus making this night holy, did you know he made a way for us to be holy also? That we could be set apart, set apart from our sin, to be found innocent and forgiven in his sight. But it only happens when we fall to our knees. When we choose to see Jesus, not as a nice speaker or a a hip philanthropist, but as our Lord and Savior, as holy, set apart, in the perfect Savior that came from heaven to earth to save the entire earth, to save the entire world, to love us so that we could love one another. And only through his love can we see this to be true, that the holiness of Jesus brings us into wholeness with him. The night that Jesus came was not just a regular night in Bethlehem. 
It was truly holy. It was set apart. It was different than all the rest. Because on that night, the holiness of heaven came to the unholiness of earth. But God did this out of a deep love for us. Because he could not bear to spend all eternity without us. He loved us that much. Which is why he taught us to love one another. Because his law is love and his gospel is peace. And, and, then can, and, and the reality is, is that we then can be holy like he is holy because his love is in us and that this love is what we celebrate at Christmas every year. A love that sets the captives free, that chains shall break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall, shall cease. Did you know that there's probably some, some chains that you have on here when you come in here today? And you realize that there's some things that he wants to break in your life. He wants to break the chain of addiction and hopelessness. The opinions of other people about what you should and shouldn't be doing. Your, the sadness in your life. The fear in your life. The fear that not being able to end, make ends meet. The fear of not feeling like you're enough. The fear of job security or insecurity. The fear of brokenness. The fear of not being enough. The fear of whatever it might be. The fear of your sin. Guys, this is all possible. All those chains can be broken only because of Jesus. Because Jesus is holy. He's set apart. He's perfect. And the reality is, my friends, we are not. I'm not. You're not. We're broken in anything but holy in comparison to God. But what makes Christmas so amazing is that Jesus came to fix that. That the holiness of Jesus brings us into wholeness with him. And I love the fact that there was more than one holy night at Christmas in the Christmas story. Because it means that God is bigger than just one night, but that God can make things holy anytime. And what Christmas represents is the opportunity for holy moments to happen in anyone's life at any time because of Jesus. That since Jesus came from heaven to earth to free us from our sin and our error pining, that we have a chance to have our own holy night. That when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in doing so, we are doing this. We have chosen to separate ourselves from sin, and we've chose the holiness of Jesus in our life instead. What does John 3.16 tell us? That for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the only reason that is possible is not because of anything holy we do. It's because of the holiness of Jesus that he gives us when we accept him as our Lord and our Savior. So, why not make Christmas your personal holy night? A night where you choose to let Jesus free you from the chains of sin in your life. A night that you can walk in the freedom that was made possible because of what started on that original O Holy Night. A night where you can join with the angels and sing sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus. I love this verse. It says, sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus we raise. Let all within us praise his holy name. So my encouragement to you tonight is that if you don't, if you've never had a holy night with Jesus, or if you've stepped across the line of faith and said, 
God, I'm unholy. And I realize that unholiness is separating me from you. But tonight, I realize that Jesus, you came to love me, to bring me into wholeness with you again. And if I just believe in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior and follow you with my life, repent of my past, meaning turn on my old ways and, and turn into the new ways that's found in you, you, Jesus. The Bible says that we're free, that the chains will break. It says that we are a new creation in Jesus. So I would just tell you this. If you have never, never accepted Jesus in your, in your heart, if you've never had a holy night where you've stepped across the line of faith, I would encourage you to make tonight the night. Make this Christmas, 2022, the best Christmas you've ever had as you receive the free gift from Jesus of his salvation, his grace, and his love. So let me pray for you and pray as we continue in this service now. Father, I just lift up your holy name right now. I'm grateful that you are set apart from this world because as I look at this world, it is anything but holy. In fact, it sure looks like a bunch of people that want to look a whole lot of same because they're scared to stand out. But God, I realize that our sin has ultimately caused us to be separated from you, that we're apart from you because of that, that the things that we do in our life that we justify all the time have separated us from you. And you tell us that it separates us for all eternity, that actually the wages of sin is death, but you have given us an alternative. You have given us Jesus. And that on that holy night in Bethlehem with that small teenage girl and her, and her husband, God, you have showed us that in the unknown, the known can come in you, Jesus. That in mild-mannered way, in a manger on the side of a house somewhere, the king of the universe came into the world so that you could relate to us all and that you could give us all the opportunity to be, to have a holy night with you. So God, I just pray right now that within the sound of my voice in this room and beyond, I just simply say, God, if there's anyone here that does not know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior, that has not had a holy night, might tonight be the night. And if we are ready, Spirit, if you're moving in people's hearts, if they're ready to cross that line, simply just have them pray this to you. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm unholy. And God, because of that, I know that I'm apart from you. And my life has had a hole in it, an emptiness that I've tried to fill with all kinds of things, success and money and relationships and, and status. I've tried to do it all, but I still feel empty. But tonight, I realize that what I need is Jesus. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, to make me whole and to make me holy, set apart from this world. I repent of my past, my sinful past. I embrace my future with you, and I ask for you to save me. I will follow you all the days of my life, Jesus. God, you tell us that if anyone says that, as simple as that is, it's, it's a profound moment that happens, that the old of us is gone and the new has come. We are a new creation. We are written in the book of life, and you know our name, and we will be with you for all eternity, and that tonight our holy night begins. So, Father, I just pray right now that you would have moved. So just with all of our eyes closed in this room right now, just for a moment, 
I just pray right now, eyes closed and heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, to have a holy night tonight, would you just put your hand up in the air? Just put your hand up in the air and let people know that you have accepted Jesus. I see hands everywhere of having, oh, holy nights tonight, that you've said, Jesus, tonight is my night, that you are my Savior. Praise God. Father, I pray for every person that put their hand in the air. God, I thank you for all those hands that have been raised because, Jesus, that's what you want. That's why you came from heaven to earth, is for people to know you as Savior. So Jesus, thank you for loving us, for giving us your grace. We love you. Let us hear of your holy night. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.